a campaign, and it is a stewardship campaign. We started it in February, and we will be continuing it for the next two years, but we are doing little things along the way, and one of the things that we are doing today is we have a special guest with us. He's going to be speaking to us in just a little bit, but before he comes, uh, we have something special with our children. Our children have been bringing all of their piggy bank money, all of your piggy bank money, all of my piggy bank money, and they have been bringing it to uh, put it into a bucket. They have been learning about giving the biblical way. And some people say, well, that's, that's just weird. Why would you talk to kids about giving? Kids don't have much that they can give. You know what? It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. And while our children may not be earning a living right now, we want to teach them and we want them to learn how to give so that when they get older, they will know God blesses giving and generosity. Amen? And so today we have a little video that they put together that they want to show you of what their church means to them. Because it, we learn about God so much, because we always, always learn about Him, and we like to learn about Him so we can pass it out songs and and to like learn about Jesus so much that we get the Holy Ghost some. Um, People get the Holy Ghost and even more get the Holy Ghost. I like to sign in church and mom and sister and he and sister. This is the best church I've never seen because this church will listen to God and then this this church will make me happy and have fun and do all the songs we do and then we have a good church because we're listening to God. Um, the church makes me feel happy, and I really love it because it has the the um, new touch that I like, and it's um. Well, I really like how that it was. Um, that they fixed it, and now it um looks beautiful. The church means to me like safe around people and all kinds of stuff that I like. I'm done. My church is kind and I would go here because I I love people and they're nice to me and I think it's a good church. What the church means to me is it means for me to have friends here that I can't see. What this church means to me is um, safe and fun because we can learn Bible. I mean, we can 
we can sing Bible songs and learn learn things in the Bible that we didn't know before. And I'm just overall excited that we had a great church to come to. So what a church family means to me is uh, like a second family because, you know, they're always there if you need them. And like if you have like an event, then they could help you plan it. And um, you could always like use stuff of theirs, but they like let you borrow it. And I think that's nice because not all church families do that. And they're really nice people. If you were a first timer, they're like really nice. They're welcome to meet you. And everybody there is just has a good heart. So that's why I think that church family means to me. What my church means to me. Um, I want to say thank you to all the people that helped out my mom and dad. Because I probably wouldn't be here without you guys and stuff. And growing in the church and all that. So I just wanted to say thank you and stuff. Look at these kids all bringing piggy bank money. I think there was a little bit of motivation in it. Um, the motivation, I don't know if I get this right, but there was motivation in it. If they got a certain amount, they got to put a pie in somebody's face or something. They were excited about that part of it. And... Uh, Look at, look at that. Man, they fill that bucket up, guys. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Way to go, guys. Good job. Awesome, 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 awesome. Archie, we're going to need some security with this. Uh, yeah, yeah, as long as you know, you, you might need to help, have some help picking it up. We're so thankful. The kids have been, uh, for the last three weeks, I believe it is, they've been bringing their money, and they have been putting it together, and uh, they want to help with the stewardship campaign as well. They, they have been learning how to be good stewards, and they wanted to bring their first fruits offering today. In just a few weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to bring our first fruits offering. But the kids are leading us. The kids are leading us. Amen. They could have used this money for ice cream or lollipops or uh, Tootsie Rolls or whatever. I mean, there's, there's, they're still going to want that stuff. But they brought it here, and we're so thankful because today their total of what's in this bucket right here is 354.86. Amen. We're so proud of them. What a great job. Amen. Let the kids hear you as they go back to their King's Kids today. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. We are so thankful for, for that and for what God is doing in our children. And uh, today it's our very special honor uh, to have with us Brother Drury. He is the head of the stewardship group uh, for the United Pentecostal Church International. And uh, as many of you have heard me say, one of the big reasons why we are able to get our sanctuary fixed, one of the big reasons why we were also able to purchase uh, our building, our campus in Louisville, is because of the United Pentecostal Church Loan Fund. That is headed up by the guy who's going to speak to us today. And uh, we are so thankful for Brother Drury and all of his efforts and what he does uh, to make it possible for churches like us to exist. Amen. To have a physical place to meet. So today, without any further uh, ado, we want Brother Drury to come and minister to us. Amen. Everybody say, God bless Brother Drury. Well, let's stand and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is greater. That's it. He is greater. There's power in His name. Hallelujah. Where would we be without Him and His love? Amen. It is wonderful to be here today. You may remain standing for just a moment. I want to... Um, Say thank you, Pastor Dummett, for allowing me this honor and privilege of, of being here today. Um, I wish my wife was with me, but I've been dragging her everywhere around the U.S., and she said, I want to stay home a weekend. So had nothing to do with you, just the fact that she just uh, said it. Well, besides that, I had a grandson that had an eighth birthday yesterday, so that kind of that kind of said anchored her and said, I'm not going anywhere, so... You uh, have grandchildren, you understand that very, very much. Um, you are blessed with a great leader. I don't know if you understand how blessed you really are. <laughs> Brother and Sister Dummett are awesome. That's right. I travel a lot, and you, you can mark those who have leadership capacity above and beyond, and that's what this pastor and his wife have to lead this church. I look back on the records. I think you only had 18 people when you became pastor. And look what God has done. Amen. Give him a great big hand clap of praise. Before you're seated, I just want to say that most of you were handed a card here today. Um, this is just a little promo to tell you that the only way we can loan money out to churches such as this is for people who make investments. Uh, and so we offer demand certificates. It's like a uh, money market. Uh, it's day-to-day, month-to-month, and you can get money, put money in anytime, take money out anytime. It's 2.5%. Most banks locally will pay you less than a half a percent. And uh, then we have one-year and three- and five-year certificates. It's just like a CD at any local bank. Uh, also, we have IRAs. Uh, that you can either start or you can move over some of your qualified plans to this. So, promo open, over. Um, I would like to briefly mention also that we have a couple other programs. One is called Mission Possible, and that is for young people in particular who uh, want to start saving for a missions trip. And you can go on Mission Possible, upci.org, um, and you can sign up for that, and you can send links to your relatives for your birthday, Christmas, or a special event, and ask them to contribute for your future missions trip. 
the final thing I'd like to mention is this coming Tuesday, we are launching the, uh, for the first time the Apostolic Chamber of Commerce for any people who are uh, business individuals or you have a career path and you would like to uh, connect with others in the fellowship of the apostolic movement, uh, you can join that, and that would be apostolicchamberofcommerce.org as well. So, promo open. Over. I don't know why I'm having a hard time speaking today. Well, I want to speak to you about cracking the code. Having the blessings of the blesser in your life. How many want to have the blessings of the blesser in your life? So I want to teach you and preach to you today, how do you crack that code? How do you learn that secret above and beyond? We're going to start with Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse number 10. And then we're going to go to Acts 20, 35, and back to Galatians 3, 29. So Galatians 6 and 10 says this, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to just church people. What does it say? All men. That means people who don't believe the word. You know, you are the voice and the arms and the legs of Jesus Christ in the lives of those who never read the word. And I'll explain it even better later, but let us do good unto all men. But then it goes on to say, and especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And then I love what the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts 20, 35. He said, I've shown you all things. How that so, oh, you've got to work. How that so laboring, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, could you quote the rest of that with me? It is more Blessed to give than to receive. And let me base it today upon one final scripture, Galatians 3.29. Galatians 3.29 that says this, And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs, or you have a right to his inheritance, according to the promise. You realize that when you are a part of the family of God and you've been buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you took on the family name. So my name is not Stephen Max Drury, it's Stephen Max Drury Jesus because I became a member of the family of God. Let's ask for God's anointing upon His Word today to get it deep into our hearts, our minds, uh, and our spirits. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for the opportunity to minister to this congregation today. I pray, Lord, that You would anoint these words uh, as I minister to them, for them to grasp uh, what Your Word has to say about blessings from You, who is the blesser. Help us today to crack that code. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, 
I want to tell you, money, talking about money, is not a dirty word. There are 40 scriptures in the Bible that talks about baptism. Now, you never have to teach a baby, uh, as they get a little bit older, how to lie. It's natural. Why? Because we were all born in sin and shapen in iniquity. We all come with that natural ability to not tell the truth. And so when we hear the word, it doesn't take us long to understand. We need our sins washed away so we can start a brand new life. So 40 scriptures on baptism. I guarantee you, your pastor preaches on baptism. Amen? And then there are 275 verses on prayer. I know that he believes in prayer. But we have to be reminded periodically. We need to pray. There are 350 scriptures on faith. He has to keep reminding us, you have to believe, you have to believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things that are not yet seen. And then, oh boy, there are 650 scriptures on love. When you work close together like I've seen the leadership here, and I know this church body does, every now and then he has to preach, we see each other's warts. We find each other's flaws. We find each other's weaknesses. And we even discover they have different ideas than we have, and ours is always right. Correct? Wrong. We have to learn to love each other for our differences. But let me tell you one other thing. The Scriptures has 2,350 references to material possessions, finances, and wealth. Now, what do you think the Lord knew we were going to have the biggest battle with? Stuff. Money. Possessions. You have seen folks who have lost their families over the fact that they are more interested in making money than they are caring for their family. And, and I mentioned last night the leadership thing that I have struggled in my life between a balance between work, rest, play, and worship. You know, you, you can worship so much that you're no heavenly good, uh, no earthly good. You can, you can work so hard that you lose your family. You can be such a play person that you never go to work, never go to church. You're always out, oh, I better be careful what I say, hunting or... And then rest. Have you ever been around anybody that didn't get enough rest? You talk about grumpy. Who wants to be around them? You know, and so I've had to learn, Pastor Dummett, that Steve has to work at getting this balance all the time. But what I want you to know is every now and then, we have to look at ourselves and find out what do we need to improve on. And when we work close together, we see each other's flaws. And so we preach on love, and then we have to preach on material possessions, finances, and wealth. So I've listened to your pastor. I sat beside him last night. I heard his passion. I heard his voice of his vision that God has given him to reach not only this community, but surrounding communities. And you know what? It takes somebody that has been called of God that's going to be willing to do what it takes for this to happen. 
And I've been in leadership almost 50 years myself. And I, I have seen a lot of things come to place. But it doesn't come to place by accident. It comes to place by a plan. It comes to place by a vision. It comes to place by a passion. And this man and his wife have that. You are blessed for them to be able to lead you to the next victories in your lives. That's all right. Let's stand and give them a hand clap. Well, to have a blessing of the blesser in your life, we're going to have to look at some of the scriptures. The last parables that the Lord told are found in Matthew 25, before he was ascended up into glory. And one of them was that he said that in verse number 32, before him shall be gathered all nations on judgment day, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but he's going to put the goats on the left hand. Now, the question is, are you a sheep or are you a goat? So how do I know about that? Well, it goes on to explain it in Matthew 25. He said, those are on the right hand, the sheep. The king's going to say to them, come, ye blessed of the Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What God is up there in heaven doing right now is preparing everything for us, as well as meeting us down here on earth. I felt his presence here today. I felt his anointing here today. But while he's doing that, uh, he has left us here to do the work. And he's up there preparing a place for us. But one of these days, he's going to finish the last piece. Uh, the last road is laid, uh, and everything is ready. And he's going to come back here with a trumpet. Uh, and we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to be with him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You want that kind of an answer? You want him to say, come on in? Well, it's only going to happen if you're on the right side. Because if you are a goat... You're not going to go. Well, how do you explain that, Brother Drury? Well, it goes on to say how you get on the right-hand side. It says, I was hungry, and you gave me no meat, or you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And then the righteous shall say to that person who did all of those things, come on in. But they say, well, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you without clothing? When did you, we see you in prison? He said, I wasn't there. But when you've done it unto one of the least of these, it is the same thing as having done it unto me. That's how you get on the right hand of God. It's caring and loving the people in the community of Radcliffe and of Louisville and the surrounding counties. Do you love them enough to love on them, help them in their time of need? And the only way that happens is if you are generous. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So, how do you get on the left hand? Well, 
Pretty clear. I was hungry and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was naked and you didn't give me any of your extra clothing that your closets are lined up with. And he said, I said to them, depart from me into everlasting iniquity. So, how many want to be over on the goat side, the left side? Or how many really want to be over here on the sheep side, where he says to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But you know what? It's just little things. It's not huge. It's just becoming generous with what God has blessed you with. So I want to tell you that I found the secret in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, because I was reading and it said, well, you know, I, here I am. I'm worried about my family. I've got to take care of them. Oh, yes, you do. But the question is, have you prepared yourself to not only take care of them, but also be generous with others? How do I get there? And the scripture plainly says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the secret is finding a way to seek God's righteousness. That is cracking the code. Finding God and his righteousness. Take, therefore, no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But it all goes back to seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I believe that money is first and foremost a spiritual matter. You say, Brother Drew, why are you preaching on it? Well, because there are 2,350 scriptures on it. Now, if he preached 40 Sundays on baptism, I guarantee you you're going to get some folks baptized. You're going to say, praise God, we're having revival. If he preaches 250 scriptures on prayer, and it takes him almost five years to do that every Sunday, you're going to say, man, I'd like to hear something on baptism. <laughs> and if you take the, the other scriptures that I mentioned, uh, of 650 on love, and, and it took him, what, seven and a half years to get through that? But then if he preached every Sunday on one of those scriptures of money, you'd say, hey, we've got a money-hungry preacher. But the problem is, we get a little frightened sometimes from the pulpit talking about our finances because we're afraid that somebody's going to misunderstand. You know what I believe? I have been in this long enough to find out that if you don't get your money priorities right, the rest of everything else also suffers. And so I'm not afraid or ashamed to stand up here and declare, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and money has to become righteous. Now, there are two people, one perhaps legitimate, maybe the other one not so legitimate, that I would like to refer to this morning, given sway that the money has over us of their wisdom. The first one is Sam Houston. Does anyone know who Sam Houston was? 
Anybody know? You do. What? Who was he? Okay, the, there's a, a hospital named after him, but he also was a soldier. Anybody know what he did for the United States of America? He won the war against Mexico and conquered the area now called the state of Texas. Anybody here from Texas? You are? What do they say about everything in Texas? Everything is bigger in Texas. Everybody is just so proud of that great big state. And if you try to drive it, it is a long ways across and long ways up and down. Everything is bigger in Texas. Well, Evelyn and I had the privilege of going to Alaska camp meeting uh, three years ago this coming summer uh, to speak on stewardship. And while we were up there, we went to a restaurant. And there was a big sign on a wall inside a restaurant, and it had a picture of the state of Alaska. And then it had proportionately the same size of the state of Texas right in the middle. And when you look at the size of Alaska compared to Texas, Texas is small. And they had a little sign there, the Alaskans did, with an arrow pointing to Texas, ain't she cute? But anyway, Sam Houston did a great deal for the United States of America by conquering that region and it becoming a part of the United States of America. But he said this. He said, when I got baptized or when I got saved, he said, I got my mind saved, I got my heart saved, and I got my pocketbook saved. And he went on furthermore to say, when I got baptized, my money got baptized too. Now, I want to tell you a little story. Evelyn and I, for many years, um, with all the different responsibilities I held in the district, which you understand, I, um, we were asked to do a Thursday night banquet, which I think I heard you, your, your district does here, uh, for all of the ministers and their spouses and uh, I don't know how they've done it, but over the years, it's become very common for the governor, lieutenant governor, and uh, leaders of the House and Senate and U.S. House and Senate, uh, the uh, uh, Supreme Court from Mississippi to come to the camp meeting. And so we've chosen Thursday night because it was the same night that we also fed them this meal after the service. And Evelyn and I was responsible for putting the meal on. So we got everything ready one uh, Thursday night, and we came into the auditorium. And uh, we came in through the door over there. We sat down right over here like on the second seat. And the district superintendent's wife, Sister Travis, came in with this beautifully dressed lady. And they walked all the way across to where Sister Travis and this lady sat on this side. You could tell her clothes were expensive. Uh, she had obviously uh, had beautiful high heels on, and, and, and you could tell with her purse, it was one of the, the name brand purses, not a knockoff, you know, and, and, and you could tell she was wearing some of the finest that was available, but she also, Sister Dummett, carried a pair of tennis shoes with her. And when worship service started, I kind of watched you dancing around up here, that was awesome, good job, and, and 
This lady took off her high heels and put on her tennis shoes, and she got out there, and I mean, she danced and shouted and worshiped God, everything that was within her. Well, a little bit later in the service, they, they introduced the governor, and the governor got up and said a few comments, and lieutenant governor got up and said a few comments, and, and they had a couple of commissioners. Our U.S. senator happened to be there that night. He came up there and made a couple of comments, and then Brother Travis said, uh, the last one that we're going to hear from this evening is the, uh, uh, the chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court. So Jim Smith comes up, that's his name. Jim says, I'm enjoying the presence of God here tonight, and I am so thankful that my wife is here with us. She is sitting over there next to the district superintendent's wife, Sister Travis. Mystery solved. Well, part of it was. I'm wondering, I have not often seen the chief justice of any Supreme Court, their wife, getting out at a camp meeting, taking off her high heels, putting on tennis shoes, and dancing before God. So I knew there had to be a little bit more story to it, so I started digging into it. And here's what I discovered. They went to a traditional denomination church, and they had a ladies' study group. And in that study group, they came across Acts, the second chapter. And they started reading about the promises of God that in the upper room, they received 120 of them, the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in another language. And then they asked Peter about it. What is this all about? He said, oh, I can tell you exactly. It is for you and for your children and all those afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. She went to her pastor and said, Pastor, we've come across the Scriptures and we don't understand it. Why have you preached on this? We don't remember you preaching on this but there's a promise here that it's for us oh he said that's for the past generations and that's not for us today she said i don't understand because i can't find any place in here that it says that's over all i hear all i read is it's for you and your children and all those afar off even as many as the lord our god shall call and furthermore it says to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins, and you shall. She said, I see that word shall, and I don't understand why you don't preach it. So she had a big enough home that she literally had a closet, a room, a closet that she created a prayer room in. And she decided she was going to go in that prayer room, and she was going to ask God why it wasn't happening today. And why couldn't she get it? And you know what God finally did to her. Every day she went in there, all of a sudden one day she got lost in the Spirit praising the Lord, and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. That's right. Because why? It's for you. It's for you. Everyone say, it's for me. It's for us today. She went back to her pastor and said, I got the Holy Ghost. He said, what? I spoke in tongues. 
Well, she came to church that next Sunday, and she was just full of the Spirit. And when they started singing one of their calm courses, she raised her hand and said, Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And the ushers finally came and said, You don't mind, just calm down a little bit. Well, by the next Sunday, she had been in her prayer closet all week long, every day, and she was getting more and more of Jesus. She was full of Jesus from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. And when she went to church that Sunday, I want to tell you what happened. She just said, praise the Lord on everything that was going on. I thank you, Jesus. They ushered her out of the church and told her never to come back. So she said, I've got to find a church where they believe this. They lived in Jackson, Mississippi, so they found Brother Jerry Wayne Dillon's church. Yeah. I am convinced he must drink three Red Bulls before he ever goes to the pulpit. That guy is full of life. I would probably break my bones if I acted like he does, go whatever place all the time while he's preaching. And she was right at home. She got to dancing in the Spirit and praising God, speaking in tongues. And so they said, we, we need to have a Bible study. So they gave her a Bible study, and she understood very clearly, I need to be buried in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. So when it was baptism time, Brother Dylan said to her, the lady's side is over here. There's a baptismal robe. You can... Uh, Take your clothes off and put on that baptismal robe. And Jim, you could come over on this side. And there's a men's uh, side where you could take off your suit and, and uh, put on this baptismal robe. And Jim says, not me. He said, what do you mean? He said, this is what I wear every day, a suit. I need to be buried in the name of Jesus Christ in my suit where everybody, because I want every part of me saved. He said, well, take out your billfold. He said, oh, no, my money needs to get saved also. And when they baptized Jim Smith, the chief justice of the Mississippi Supreme Court, they baptized him in his suit with his billfold in his pocket. Folks, I'm here to tell you, you've got to, when you get saved, everything needs to get saved. The other likely one is Martin Luther, and he wrote, when we get saved, our mind gets saved, our heart gets saved, and our pocketbook gets saved. Now, when you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is for what? Remission. Anybody here ever had cancer and you're in remission? Anybody here ever had cancer and you're in remission? Okay. Okay. What is the fear when you don't get to feeling very good about something? What is the fear that can happen? It can come back. Do you realize the reason we come to the house of God and it says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is because we've got to keep hearing the preaching of the word? You know what the Bible tells us? It washes us constantly and it keeps us clean. It keeps us out of sin because it keeps our conscience alive. It keeps us... How many times have I had to come in 55, 60 years to the altar myself? Even though I stand up here, I have to make sure my heart is clean. God, forgive me if I said anything or thought anything this last week that was wrong. I want a clean heart, and I'm going to worship you today because you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are greater. 
So every week we've got to be washed by the preaching of the Word. So what does that mean? That means if I don't hear the preaching of the Word, my sins can come out of remission and I'm back in sin. We're not once saved, always saved. No. That's because we have our sins remitted, but they can come back. You know what? Your pocketbook can be saved at one time, and all of a sudden it come out of remission too. You could have one time been generous, and all of a sudden you become ungenerous. Something happened to your mind, something happened to your heart, and something happened to your pocketbook. I heard about the man that owned a business, came to his pastor and said, you know, I want to give more than I've ever given before to the kingdom in this church. Would you pray for me that my business would grow? And so the pastor said, sure. If you don't mind, come on up and we're going to pray for you. They laid hands on him. They prayed for him. God let his business grow so that he can pay more tithes and give bigger offerings. And and guess what God did? Bless his business. But one day he got to counting up how much he'd been giving. And he said, oh, man, that's a lot of money. He said to his pastor, I, I, I'm going to have to back off a little bit. That's a lot of money I'm giving to the church. The pastor says, well, come on up. We'll pray for you. So they brought him up. They prayed for him, laid hands on him. The pastor said to him, Lord, reduce his business down to where he can feel like he can afford to pay tithes and offering. And all of a sudden, he felt that man tap him. That's all right. That's all right, Pastor. I'm healed. (laughs) Because you know what? Our heart, our mind, and our pocketbook can go backwards if we don't stay in the house of God and we don't allow ourselves to stay in tune with Him. Let me give you an example from the Scripture. His name was Zacchaeus. Like me, short. Thankfully, I can look over this pulpit. Some of them are so high, I have to go over here, you know, just to be seen. He had never seen Jesus. He had heard about him, but he had never seen him. And he heard Jesus was coming through Jericho. The Bible clearly says that Zacchaeus what? What did he do? He climbed up into the sycamore tree. He obviously had to be thinner than I was, even though he was short. He climbed up into the sycamore tree to see Jesus passing by. Jesus had never met Zacchaeus in person. Zacchaeus had never met Jesus. But Jesus walks through the crowd and he looks up there, Zacchaeus. I'm here to tell you, you may not know Jesus very well, but Jesus knows exactly who you are and where you are. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm going to go to your house today. You're going to my house today? Good. But all the righteous people said, what in the world is going on? Jesus is going to that thief's home? He's never been to my house yet. Oh, they just started griping, complaining, griping, and complaining. But Jesus knew what he was doing. You read the scriptures, he never said, Zacchaeus, you are rotten because of your money and how you've cheated people. He said, I'm going to come to your house because salvation is what you need. 
And you know what happened when Zacchaeus got salvation? He said, I'm going to give Jesus half of my money to the poor, and I'm going to return four, four times what I've taken from people here on earth. Jesus didn't say anything about his money. He said, I'm coming to your house for salvation. But when you get salvation, you realize that everything belongs to God anyway. You realize that God brought you salvation. God forgave you of your sins. And you become generous because you realize that you don't own one thing. Has anyone here yet seen the U-Haul trailer follow the hearse to the cemetery? Sister Rebecca, how much do we have when we're born into this world? Nothing. How much do we have when we die? Nothing. I heard about the man who made his wife promise that she'd put 10 $100 bills in the casket at his funeral. So they did. But as tradition, the spouse is the last one to pass by. She put in a check for $1,000 and pocketed those 10 $100 bills. She knew he wasn't going to be able to use that 10 $100 bills, but she sure could. Folks, you know, when every now and then we've got to get everything kind of straightened out in our mind that we need to be a generous person. So I brought something here. Is there somebody that thinks you're pretty swift at unlocking locks? I'm going to challenge you. Well, maybe someone older. Well, you got it? You can do it? Good. Well, I got to get it in there first. Here, hold that for a second. Sorry, folks, a little technical problem here. Okay, there are some numbers that you've got to get in the right sequence. The numbers are 3, 4, 6, 6, but you've got to figure out what sequence they've got to be in. We'll see how swift he is. All right, so let's go back to Galatians 3.29. If you be Christ, then you be Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. Now, last night I told the story about our son that was born eight days before we got married. Ooh, quiet. We adopted him when he was 15. But I had a meeting with our daughters and said, you do realize that when mom and dad die... Things aren't going to be divided up two ways, but they're going to be divided up three ways. Because you see, when you are adopted into the family, you have equal heirship, equal ownership. So when you were adopted into the family of God, you had equal promises to Abraham's promise because you are part of his seed. Has anyone here ever seen a Jew broke? No, because they have God's promise upon them. And, and you can read it from Genesis 17 chapter where when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and, and he said, I'm going to make you exceeding because of your righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. You remember we, we read in the scripture, seek ye first the kingdom and the righteousness of God. 
Abram did that. And God said, I'm going to bless you abundantly. And you go on into the scriptures a few chapters later. It says that Abram had uh, donkeys and camels and all kinds of animals. And he became the wealthiest man on earth at that time. And folks, I'm here to tell you, there is no reason. Money is not a dirty word. The only way it becomes dirty is when it becomes your God. And it can do that. That's the reason he put 2,350 scriptures in there about money, finances, material possessions, and wealth. But the Lord has always reserved a little bit. Now, let's go back to the Jews just for a minute. I had a great man teach me in Bible college. His name was S.G. Norris, the founder of the college. And he said, a Jew can find a tin can on the street on Saturday night and open up a hardware store on Monday morning. They just have that knack. And I have watched people become righteous, start serving God, and I have seen over and over and over again how God has blessed them abundantly. But there's a code to crack. Have you got it yet, son? Not yet. So let me give you the code. You know, it really started in Genesis, the second chapter, when God created Adam and Eve, and he said, Look at all the beautiful trees in the garden, but there's just one that still belongs to me. God wanted to know, were they willing to just trust him and leave that one tree alone because it belonged to him? Now, you know what Adam and Eve went and did. They went, all those trees in the garden, and said, I want the one apple or the one piece of fruit, whatever it was, on that one tree. Oh, it's that nature of you and I. We want to keep what doesn't belong to us or get what doesn't belong to us, and we don't want to save what belongs to God. And you and I suffer with pain in our bodies. I'm old enough now that everything works hurts. You young people don't understand that, but someday you will. And so, the problem is, we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity because Adam and Eve wouldn't leave the alone what belonged to God. You go just two chapters later, and Adam and Eve have children. They have two sons. Cain and Abel. And they taught them that, man, we wish we'd left that one tree alone because what belongs to God belongs to God. And we stole from it and we got in trouble. Don't do that. Bring offerings and bring the first fruits to God. So the story goes on that Adam, or Cain and Abel brought something to God as an offering. Cain brought some of his offering. But Abel brought the first fruits. And God had more respect for Abel than he did Cain, and it made Cain mad until he murdered his brother Abel. You see, 
You can get all upset because brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so driving a nicer car and, and they live in a nicer home. And what you may not know is they got the code. They cracked the code. They know that there's a portion that always belongs to God first. You want to be blessed? you got to crack the code. And we could go to Malachi, and I could read to you, and I may, before I finish here in just a couple of minutes, talk about the fact that everything belongs to him for sure, but he just lets us spend 90% of it however we want to. The first 10% belongs to him. Matter of fact, Malachi says, why am we not blessed? He says, because you've stolen from me. Now, I've heard people say, you know, the Old Testament is where they instituted the tithing and, and the New Testament never really talks about it, and so therefore it's over with. That's like the preacher who doesn't want to preach that the Holy Ghost is for today. Because tithing was, and offerings were instituted long before the law came in place. Because it is a natural thing that God wants you to prove to him that you trust him, that there is a tree in your life producing fruit, the first 10% that belongs to God, and you're not to take of it. So, duriology, I've never read this anywhere, I've never heard it preached anywhere, but I have a little phrase for it. You, with your tithing, you either return them or steal them. Ooh. You either return the first fruits or you steal them. And what did Cain get so upset with Abel about? Because Abel had cracked the code and he was bringing the first fruits to God. Now, was it wrong to bring an offering? Oh, no. But Abel had cracked the code. So, what I want to tell you is, some of you are struggling with credit card debt. I have a personal opinion. It's because you buy stuff that you have never had the money yet to pay for, and you've never paid your tithes on that money. So you have stuff in your home you've purchased that you've never paid. You couldn't afford to pay for it because you bought it without money that being blessed. You know what I'd do? I'd have plastic surgery, cut up those credit cards, pay them off as soon as I could, make sure I was paying my tithes, and let God bless you and prove, let him prove to you he could provide for you without you having to go into debt. Except for a car and a home, you can be without debt. And then guess what? When God says, why don't you give generously to this campaign that the church is doing or somebody across the street who's struggling and needs some food or, or somebody that doesn't have enough money to buy clothes for their grandkids or, or whatever it is that might happen. You can't do it because you're so laden down with debt yourself. Crack the code, my friend. Yay, stand up and show him. You got it loose? Give him a great big hand. Yay, he cracked the code. My question to you today, have you learned to crack the code? You want the blessing of the blesser in your life? You want over on the right side for him to call you a sheep, one of his own? Or do you want to be over on the left side? So I told two stories last night, and then I'm closing. I told the story about a man by the name of Albert Skaggs. 
Albert Skaggs was raised here in Kentucky in a three-sided house. He passed away five years ago, this was, so this was 75 years ago here in Kentucky. He took me to where his, he and his brothers, I think there were 11 of them, brothers and sisters were born. And his mother taught him from the very beginning, every dollar you make, you give God the first 10 cents. And you also give offerings above and beyond. He learned that early. And with an eighth grade education, he ended up owning a construction company and built multiple subdivisions in Seymour and Columbus, Indiana. When the downturn happened in 2008 and 2011, he never laid off one employee. And literally every other contractor had to declare bankruptcy, but not Albert. Because you know what? He had cracked the code and was generous with his giving. He wanted, always wanted a 1957 Chevrolet red convertible with white leather interior. And he never could afford it with an eighth grade education. You'd kind of like one of those, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I, Steve would too. And he finally was able to pay for one, bought one. I even went with him one time to an auction. He had enough money he could buy anything he wanted there. But I can tell you he was also the biggest giver to the church. So he bought this and he went to general conference and he stood before the platform when they called for the, everybody to come up front, front for prayer and he said the Lord told him to give his car, his favorite lifetime dream of a car. He said, Steve, I argued with God, why don't you let me sell it and I'll just give the money. I think behind the scenes he was thinking he'd go back around and buy the car again. And he said, no, I want to know that you're willing to give me the car. So he gave the car. A few years later, he had his own museum of 56, 57, 58 Chevrolets, every one of them in red, white, and blue, every one in those years, had a sedan, a hardtop, and a convertible. He had a convertible in 57 in red, white, and blue. He had a hardtop, 57, red, white, and blue. He had a sedan, 57, and the same with 56 and 58. God blessed him. I've been there when he wrote out checks for 100000 at a time. An eighth-grade education, but you see, it wasn't the education. He cracked the code of giving to God. You think it's all right if I tell my story? Evelyn and I raised almost a thousand kids. We were president of the Tupelo Children's Mansion. We worked there 26 years. We survived it. I think I look pretty good for having raised a thousand kids. We also had a church that we started. We also had a Christian school we started. We had a thrift store business that we started. Evelyn and I on our own started an unwed mother's home. We started an adoption agency. She took care of not only being mother to 
our three kids and wife to me putting up with me and all my dreams and ideas and and she was corporate secretary treasurer for all of those ministries she was also director of education she was a busy girl but she always had a little extra time she would carve it out now i'd carve out two weeks a year to go on vacation with my kids i'd carve out a week at christmas time a week at thanksgiving time so i gave a month of just full attention to my family. Every Wednesday or every Tuesday night, we had family night. We played games. And I never answered the phone during mealtime because I wanted to keep my connection with my family and still do ministry. We depart from Tupelo Children's Mansion. We retire from all those ministries. I was 52 and tired. And my wife by then had been able to buy a little Cavalier convertible, a little green one. We moved to North Little Rock, and I started pastoring a church, even though the church was 350 to Easter was easy, 500 people, great church, great people, took wonderful care of us financially. And I actually had a couple days off every now and then on my own. And I just wanted to go by myself to Hot Springs, Arkansas one day, by myself. I didn't want to be with anyone, talk to anyone, see anyone I knew. Anybody ever get that way? You just want a peace, sweet peace, wonderful peace. So I said to Evelyn, I'd like to borrow your convertible tomorrow because I'd like to go down to Hot Springs and kind of let the air just blow past my head. She says, mm-mm. I said, what do you mean, mm-mm? She said, I had plans of what I was going to do tomorrow. Now, I love her, but I was irritated. She would not let me use her convertible. <clears throat> so Steve made up his mind that he wanted his own convertible. It wasn't the fact that I wanted to drive up to a, a cemetery and deliver an internment message with a little convertible. I didn't think that was quite appropriate. We'd never had a red car, so I just thought a used Miata convertible would be good enough. So I started searching through the paper, and I started saving $100 a week for this Miata convertible. I had $2,500 saved, and it was getting exciting. And we had church, of course, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and on a Sunday night, I'll never forget that Brother Scotty Sladen came, missionary to El Salvador, and he told about a need of them building a new church building in El Salvador. And you know what the Lord told me to do? Give that money. Now, whose money was it? It's his. Oh, okay, Lord, if that's what you say. I gave it. I went home the next morning. I got out the newspaper as if I still had $2,500 in my checking account. So, before that week was over, on a Wednesday, I received a phone call from a man, Brett Cooley. I had already done his grandmother and grandfather's funeral. And he said, Brother Drury, this is Brett Cooley, and I, uh, I'd like to know who do I call 
at the children's mansion, I have a little car I'd like to give the kids to drive. Well, you know, we had up to 103 children at that time, and, and uh, I said, you know, the problem is teenagers can't drive a vehicle owned by the children's mansion because if they have a wreck, you have all these lawyers out there that are just helping people get into the pockets, and, and they could take all the assets away, and then we'd never be able to minister to all the kids. So that just doesn't happen. What they do is they ask for the house parents, if you really feel comfortable with the child driving and, and so forth, uh, you can put them on your car insurance, your personal car, and have them pay for it, get a part-time job, pay for the insurance, pay for the gas, them learn some responsibilities, but it never happens for the children's mansion to own a vehicle that the kids drive. He said, that's a shame. I had a little Miata convertible I wanted to give there. And boy, something, my mind started racing. I said, well, Brett, what if I bought that from you and you sent the money to the children's mansion? He said, you know, I think that'll work. So I said, well, great. When can I see it? He said, well, I'll, I'll I come home tomorrow for lunch if you'd like to, to see it tomorrow. And I said, well, sure. Give me your address. He sent me his address or gave it to me. And I met him there the next day on, on Thursday for lunch, and he goes to the garage door, pulls up the garage door, and guess what color it was? Red. I drove that around a little bit, and I'm short enough I could actually see over the dash. It was, I felt good in that little thing, a little trimmer then than I am now too. I could actually get in and out of it. I, I know I can get in it now. I'm not sure if I can get back out of it now at my age, but... You know what? I asked him, I said, how much do you want for it? And I'll go to the bank and get the money, right? I could do that. But I don't like to borrow, but I can because it was what I wanted. He said, you know what? I just got a divorce. And anything I sell, I've got to give her half of it. I'm just going to give this car to you. Now, what did I learn? I learned that God owns everything, and as I said last night, the Scripture says in Psalm 50, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the truth is He still owns the hills. So if He owns everything, there is no reason He can't give you what you need and even what you want, but you've got to crack the code first as we stand together today. The reason I preach this is I want you to have the blessings of the blesser in your life. And the next couple of years, and especially a couple of weeks from now, when you make a commitment, or even next Sunday, and the Lord speaks to your heart, don't be afraid. Is there somebody here who has a $100 bill you'd bring me? There's somebody who has a $100 bill. That... Is there somebody here? Oh, bring it up. Do you have it? Okay, come here. He has one. Yeah, come on up. The Lord won't strike you. He'll bless you. You want to show them that? Look at that. Give him a hand clap. Give you a hug. Now, why was he so kind to bring this to me? 
I planted it on him before service. It wasn't his. You know what? When you realize everything that's in your checking account and in your pocketbook and your billfold doesn't belong to you anyway, and the Lord says, why don't you give it? You're willingly able to come and say, God, it's all yours anyway. I want to crack the code and I want to be generous with you. Shall we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the privilege of speaking into the lives of these precious people. This beautiful building that you have allowed them to have. The blessings that you've given to them individually and as families. I pray, O oh Lord, that this experience will help everybody who has gone out of remission with their finances comes back in the fold. Those who have not learned to be generous, that according to your word, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I pray, Lord, that you bless these children that came up here today. Let them grasp a hold of the truths of your word and the blessings so that the next generation will not struggle, but they'll be blessed with good jobs and, and homes and vehicles. But it's because they've learned to put you first in all things. And I pray for any of us here today who become stingy, that we would become healthy in our minds and our pocketbooks. And I'm asking everyone if you would raise your hand right where you are. And you would ask God, teach me how to crack the code in my life. Can you do that? You personally pray. Let's pray together right now. God, you hear the voices of every individual here with their hands raised and their heart towards you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to learn how to trust you and prove you, God, that what you really want to use them is as a vessel for the kingdom, as well as taking care of their families. You already know what they need to take care of their families. Your word says that. You know exactly what they need. You know the kind of a job they need. You know the kind of income that they need. You know that they've got responsibilities to take care of their family. But they've got to learn to put you first. And I pray, Lord, that as they make this commitment to you right now, that this is the turning point for the rest of their life of trusting you in Jesus' name. Pastor? Amen. What a wonderful message to us today. This really goes in line with uh, many times in the scripture you read, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. There's going to be those that you, you may leave today and you may just chalk it up to, well, the church trying to get my money, that guy, he just wants more money, whatever. You, you miss the whole point. The scripture says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Different, this is going to be a different ending probably than we've ever had in this, in this building. This is what I want everybody to do. Everybody that can, I want you to come up to the front. Everybody. I'm not asking you to give anything. I just want you to come up to the front. I'm going to give you some specific instructions once you're here. I want everybody to come. Don't think we, we're not trying to twist your arm or force you into anything. But I'd like for everybody to come. It's going to be very very relaxed. Nobody's going to lay hands on you, shake you, dunk you, nothing. This is going to be very simple. This is what I feel like God wants us to do today. 
Come up here as close as you can to the front. Get on up here. Yeah, there you go. Good, good. Let everybody come on close. This is what we're going to do. I hope that you heard today whenever he said, you either return the tithe or you steal it. You either return those first fruits or you steal them. So here's the first thing. This, if, if you have not been tithing, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask God to forgive you. Because it's kind of like if you stole something from somebody, what would be the first thing that you needed to do? Go make it right. Go tell them, hey, I've been, I've been taking some of your stuff. And I know I probably shouldn't have, but I've been taking some of your stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I don't do that anymore. Okay? Look, I, I'm, I'm not... I don't look at the numbers every week. I don't know who's who's tithing well and who's not tithing well. I, I'm not. There's no condemnation here. Okay, everybody understand that. But this is this is just so that you can be right with God. He said it today. There's so many scriptures that talk about our our finances, our wealth, the things that God wants to bless us with. So the first thing we need to do is we need to make sure that that's right. The second thing I want you to do is if you are tithing. If you're not tithing, then this is going to not mean a whole lot to you. But if you are tithing, I want you to say, God, would you speak to me about how I can be generous to further your kingdom? Because this campaign, we, you see the product of uh, a lot of hard work that's gone into this building. But what you don't see is you don't see that there's been a lot of finances that we had to borrow to make it happen. And so it's our church, amen, and it's our responsibility. God wants to use us, everybody that's in here, everybody that's here right now. Well, this is my first Sunday. I know, and God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. He wants you to crack the code so that you can be blessed. We've got story after story, testimony after testimony of people who have been blessed because they've been generous. They've learned how to give in this church. So the first thing we're going to do, God, if there's anything in me that's wrong, if there's any way that I have robbed you, any way that I've held back and kept back, what was yours? What belonged to you? Would you forgive me? Let's do that and make that right. And then I want you just to be on that. I want you to say, God, what would you speak to me? I want you to speak to my heart on what I can commit to you, what I can give to you, and what I can be a blessing with in your kingdom. It may cost you some sacrifice. You may have to sacrifice something that, that you like. You've heard stories of others who have sacrificed things they like to be able to further the kingdom of God. Let, let's not be too uh, convenient. Let's not be too far above sacrificing Amen. And let's let God do whatever He wants to do through our giving. All right? Let's pray that today. Jesus, we thank You, God, for each and every one that's in this house. Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful to be able to pastor such a wonderful group of people that loves You and they, they really want to please You and they really want Your will to be done in their lives. And God, today we've been reminded, Lord, that we need to be tithers. We need to be givers. And Lord, uh, that everything belongs to you anyways. And you let us be stewards and managers of those things. And I pray, God, that you would help each and every one, anyone that's here, God, that's been thinking, this is all my money. I can do with it whatever I want. And they've been reminded through your word today that all of it belongs to you. And God, you require the 10% as tithe back, as the first fruits of our increase. And God, if we've not been doing that, we apologize today. God, we are sorry, Lord, for uh, making that mistake. And God, we do not want uh, to be in a cursed lifestyle with our money, with our finances, but we want to be in a blessed lifestyle. So God, we commit today, we're going to be tithers. We are going to be givers. We are going to be generous, God, with what you have blessed us with. Whether it's big or it's small, whether we make $100 a week or we make $10,000 a week, God, it doesn't matter the amount, Lord, but we are going to be faithful 
And God, those that are faithful in their tithing, and God, you're trying to move us into a different dimension, into a different level of blessing and giving. God, I pray that you would help this church, Lord, to have a commitment to be givers. Lord, next week we're going to make a commitment to you. But Lord, if we just do that in the natural, Lord, we're going to miss the supernatural. So God, we pray that you would move upon each and every one. And those who are watching us online today, we pray, God, that you would move in a supernatural way, God, and speak to us of how we can stretch ourselves and how, God, we can sacrifice to see your kingdom go further. And Lord, we pray your blessing upon everyone that does, upon everyone that says, God, stretch me. God, I want to hear your voice. Upon every person, God, that prays to you this week and says, God, speak to me clearly about what I can give over and above my tithes and offerings and the missions that I already give to. God, please speak to me. And when they do, God, give them clarity. Speak clearly to them. God, stretch their faith and help them to believe you for greater things. And God, we know that you're going to do this. And so we give you praise in advance. We thank you, God, in advance, Lord, for a miraculous commitment Sunday, next Sunday. We thank you, God, in advance for what you're going to do. You have set us up, God, for miracles. You have set us up, Lord, for incredible things to happen in our lives, in our families, in our finances, in our church, and in these communities. And God, we want to give you the praise and the glory for all these things. In Jesus' name. I want everybody, as we get ready to go back to our seats, before you go back, would you grab the hand of somebody that's next to you if it's appropriate or put your hand on their shoulder? Amen. I want to just do something real quick. This is not equal gifts. There are some in here that you, you work at quick service, you work at fast food. There are some of you here that you're, you're, you're managing and you're management and you're CEO and you, you make a lot of money. There's no way in the world that everyone in here could give the same amount. We're not putting up amounts. We're not asking for certain percentages above and beyond your tithes. We're just saying, God, speak to us, okay? So it's not equal gifts, but it is equal sacrifice. So if I can do something, you can do something. And the way that we're going to knock this debt out, the way that we're going to further the kingdom of God is everybody in here that's, that's, that's holding hands and got their arms locked today Across this place, this is the body of Christ, and God is going to enable the body to do what needs to be done. Amen? I believe that. So I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell them, say, we're in this together. And God's going to make a way. Amen. Tell them, say, he's going to do greater than you can imagine. Amen. And if you believe that, why don't we just give God some more praise? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you in advance, Lord. You brought us together for such a time as this. We want to see what you want to do. And God, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for what you are going to do. Amen. We trust you today, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I told you I wasn't going to twist your arm too bad. Amen.